hotel. Good evening. Just a moment, I'll connect you. Welcome to FW Presents, Siskoid and Nat at the Movies, <laughs> a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm Siskoid. I'm Natalie. And we go to the movies quite a lot, don't yeah. we? <laughs> Generally speaking, at least once a week, sometimes more. <laughs> Usually together, sometimes separately. Uh, and I counted between the two of us. Uh, we've seen more than 60 movies in theaters in 2018. <laughs> Which sounds insane when <laughs> you say it out loud. <laughs> Uh, and both of us have assembled a top 10, uh, but we are going to give cursory comments on the ones that didn't make the cut. So uh, to simplify things, because this could go on for a while, we'll, we won't be counting the 10 or so films that we saw in 2018 that were actually released in 2017. Some of these, in any case, we discussed in our Oscar nomination special last year. But if we did, I think I, you know, Shape of Water, Call Me By Your Name, I, Tanya would have made my top 10, probably. Yeah, and definitely Paddington 2 for me. <laughs> that movie is probably one of my favorite movies of all time. D the second one more than the first? Both. Okay. I don't know. I can't decide, honestly. I flip-flop all the time. Oh, yeah. but, I like, think I like the first one better. Yeah, I think, but it's... But marginally. I was just surprised at how charming it was still well, like they really managed to make the sequel as good or close to and the first one is awesome we did get another animated bear that we'll get <laughs> this year so yeah. uh, it's, it's not over for bears <laughs> we're also not going to count the live theater experiences uh, or else uh, Ben Wishaw in the sort of rock and roll Julius Caesar play would be in my top 10 for sure but uh, I think I saw like Three or four yeah. live theater performances. Similar. We'd not always the same not ones. Not always the same ones. <laughs> and it's also too soon for us to have seen Bumblebee uh, or Vice, which are out. And uh, they're on our lists of things to see. Uh, but there are only so many hours in the day. <laughs> like, we seem pretty insane, but... <laughs> We still have to spread them out a bit. Yeah, I mean, we can't be going every day. And we do miss some films, either because they never came out uh, in our venues uh, or didn't stay long enough. Uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor uh, mm. was here for like two days, and I only noticed... It was here? ...at the Far East, at <laughs> oh, reper yeah. the repertoire theater. Mm -hmm. They only get them for two days, and by the time I noticed, it was gone. Yeah. It was already gone. Sorry. <laughs> or by choice. We didn't go see Ready Player One. We didn't see Venom. We didn't see Fantastic Beasts. Too. Uh, so sometimes it's, you know, we look at the potential for quality. And, <laughs> and this, if it's not there. Yeah, or mm -hmm. else, you know, I mean, we, we make choices. We do make choices. Yeah, we do. All right, let's get into these movies that we saw this year that, that did come out in 2018. We're just going to give, like, really brief comments on the ones that aren't in our top tens. We'll end with the top tens. So uh, for now, um, let, let's go through that chronologically in mm -hmm. order of seeing them. Yeah. We're just going to skip over the ones that are in the top ten. So if you're wondering, hey, didn't they go see... It's probably in it's probably in the, Yeah, it's probably in one of the top tens. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the first one uh, that, that comes up here is Red Sparrow uh, yeah. with J-Law. I felt disappointed <laughs> in that film, I think. Because I think it could have been really fantastic and it just wasn't. It was very uh, a very straight take on what could have been a Black Widow movie mm -hmm. or something. Or uh, another um, Atomic Blonde. Yes. But it's just so serious. Yeah, I think the subject matter was very, very heavy. To the detriment of the film, mm -hmm. actually. Because it was just too heavy. 
There are a lot of action films for women based on the success of uh, Wonder Woman. And there have been quite a lot this year that have just failed. Yeah. And some we saw and maybe liked more than others. Some we did not see, like the new Girl the Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, and the Peppermint. And the Peppermint. The Hollywood's trying to, you know, recreate that success and uh, having trouble with it. Yeah, I just don't think they're finding the right formula for it. They're trying to do, like, female punishers. Yeah, and I don't think that works. Like, Mm -hmm. that's not what we want to see. Next up, uh, you didn't see this one, but Peter Rabbit. Which is funny, because I love Peter Rabbit. I just couldn't go that time. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) I loved it. It's not quite Beatrix Potter. Mm -hmm. It's Beatrix Potter's characters in something that's a little more Looney Tunes. And I laughed a lot. That's great. I'm really happy it was good. Because honestly, the trailers were not super convincing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It makes me happy. Yeah, I'd see it again. Uh, Unsane was uh, Mm. next in in line. That's the Steven Soderbergh iPhone movie. (laughs) Yeah. I love that movie, actually. I thought it was, like, incredibly creatively shot. Like, uh, the way it's shot is almost more important than anything else. Yeah, it's it's about feeling like you're being watched. Yeah. And so that, like, secret camera look... Mm -hmm really made it sing and it's like it's about gaslighting it's i mean it's about it's very topical yes i enjoyed it as well pacific rim uprising oh yeah yes i like that too honestly like i think i'm not sure what i expected going in it was because the ratings weren't like super high Mm -hmm. if i remember correctly but i think it was fun (laughs) it was great fun like I have no real problems I with that. I think I like it better than the first one. <laughs> Sorry, Del Toro, but it's just It's it's more fun. I yeah, think. I think the dialogue is more funny. Yeah. There's a lot of world building in the first one. The second one, it's like more day scenes. Yes, I was going to say that. Yeah. Just the fact that we saw daylight, I think is nice and kind of refreshing because a lot of these like big action movies take place mostly at night and that's cool, but you can't really see Yeah. It much. felt a lot it's more different. like the the Saturday morning or Sunday morning for us. I guess, mm-hmm. giant robot cartoon shows. Yeah. <laughs> it had that feeling. You know, the, the the girl that builds the big giant robot in her garage. and you know. It's kind of like what all the Transformers movies should have been like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because the, the Bumblebee gives me like a real Pacific Rim yeah. uh, uprising feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, okay, one of these um, female-led action movies that didn't do so well at the box office, Tomb Raider. Oh, yeah, Tomb Raider was like a near win. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Because I enjoyed it, but I know it could have been better than that. Yeah, I think the third act sort of yeah. turns into like, the video game stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, not as good. But uh, I'd see Alicia Vikander in in her sequel, for sure. Yeah, she was great. Uh, Rampage is next. I'm the only one that saw that. Yeah. <laughs> Love Rampage. I it, really wanted to see it. I mean, it's a stupid <laughs> giant monster movie based on a video game, on an arcade game. Yeah, that makes no sense. Uh, with The Rock in the lead role, he never gets to be a giant himself. But That's unfortunate. <laughs> That's the only thing I really wanted but to But I thought it was about. fun. It was clever. <laughs> I had good action bits. I'm a sucker for giant monsters. Mm-hmm. There we go. Uh, blockers uh, is one I, you didn't see no. either, right? Blockers no. or cog blockers as it really should yeah. be called. <laughs> A big surprise. I thought this was going to be like a stupid, or it had the potential to be a stupid comedy and to have like to be wrongheaded because mm-hmm. it's about parents trying to stop their teenage girls from having sex on prom yeah. night. But it's actually quite woke. Which is great. <laughs> I think they had a lot of heart. There was like some, you know, stupid uh, humor as well. Some like stupid slapstick. But it, it all kind of worked. I thought it was like very pleasant mm-hmm. and not wrongheaded. So... Give it a shot, people. Uh, Avengers Infinity War did not make our top tens, apparently, because here it is. 
I mean, no. <laughs> I think at this point, it's kind of hard to put one of the Avengers in, like, my top... I don't think that would ever be the case, honestly. <laughs> like, for any of them. I think it's just, like, it's like an entity in itself. I enjoy it. I will consume the product every time, for sure. And I liked it. I liked it better than the last one. But I don't think it's, like, oh, my favorite film. Especially if because it, it's, like, a two-parter thing. Mm. I think automatically when it's a two-parter thing, it's hard to, like, once the both movies will be out and you will watch them back-to-back, I think that will be good. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, it felt like very plotty. There's so many characters in it. I mean, it's a good Thanos story, mm-hmm. but it's not great for the heroes. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, then Tully. That was top 15 for me. Yes, I also did consider putting it on my list. I, it wasn't my long one. Uh, I love Tully. I think the acting in it is great. I think it's very real, even though it's kind of flights of fancy as well. But I think like the... The emotions and the process yeah. is incredibly real, and it's not something we ever really talk about in movies. Like, I haven't really seen a movie that really addresses how difficult it is to be a mom and to be, like, a mom with a young child. And, like, that whole process of not being, not sleeping, not eating correctly, I think it was really very inspired as a film. If it didn't make my top 10, it's mostly because there's a twist in it, which is totally justified, but I've seen too many of these sorts of twists, Mm -hmm. and it sort of turns me off in a way. Yeah. I feel pretty. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think we're about around March or May or (laughs) April here. Yes, (laughs) I think so too. I guess, yeah, May, because we already saw Avengers. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually liked it more than I even thought I would. Because it was controversial. Yeah, I understand why, (laughs) but I don't have a problem with, like, the the politics of it the way she feels is not, it was incredibly relatable to me like, yeah that's what you and your sister said yeah, coming out of the it's theater. funny because it's like little things like oh her arm jiggled a little bit and it's hard for me to take that out of my own head because it's so crammed in there that it was kind of fun to see just like completely liberated from that how would we live our lives so, I think it's a deeper than it seems because it, it <laughs> seems to be about a woman who gets brain, you know, she gets a bit of <laughs> yeah. brain damage and then she thinks she's beautiful. Is a, and then that sounds like, ooh, that, that's cringy. Mm-hmm. But I think when there's a cringe, they want you to cringe. Yeah. It's supposed to make you reflect on something. Mm-hmm. It's a lot smarter than, than the premise sounds. Sounds, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, then it's uh, Deadpool 2. I like Deadpool 2. You know, it's... Uh, well, Domino was awesome. Yes. <laughs> That's just the breakout <laughs> yes, character of that film. For sure. I think it's probably not as good as the first one, but I kind of expected that going in, because I think, like, the shock value of what you're about to see for the first time is automatically mm. going to be, like, stronger. So now that we, like, know the character, automatically you don't have, like... I think I liked it better, because... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. There are many more characters. They're similar to me. Yeah, they're very similar. Solo, a Star Wars story. I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people I mean, thought, well, you know, obviously the, I know the, the big criticism is... People are very angry about it. Everything that ever happened to Han Solo that we knew about Han Solo happens in yeah. the span of a single film. We didn't need that. I agree. Like, I mean, I, that's what I was expecting. I'm yeah, never expecting course, something sir. great from a Star Wars film. No, <laughs> I'm going to be honest. <laughs> that's I don't me. either. I think that the real flaw of this film was actually there was it was shot in um, low contrast. 
Mm-hmm. So that in certain theaters, including ours, it just looks so dim and yeah. grimy and you just can't, you can't look at the image properly. I know the director sort of slammed theaters. It's the, the theater's problem, but I think, dude. <laughs> the theaters you... aren't going to change their whole setup so that your movie can be played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, Donald Glover was in it. I'm down oh, for that. He was, and he was great. He was, like, <laughs> yeah, he was I love the highlight. Him all the time. I but, would watch a Lando Calrissian movie. Absolutely. Me too. Yeah. Then was Adrift. Adrift is one of those movies that I like enjoyed. I would never watch again. <laughs> But it was too heavy-handed. It sort of explained things too much. Yeah. And I know that they do that because they're scared that people won't understand. Especially for a true story thing. Because this is about a couple, if you don't know it, it's about a couple that that got caught in a hurricane in the Pacific on a sailboat. It explained things... That we didn't need. That we didn't need to have explained. Although some people in the theater seem to be puzzled. Yes. So, so I don't know. Maybe it, it was did. for them. But for me, like, if... Those parts would have been removed from the film. I would have liked it a lot better. Then I saw Hotel Artemis, which is sort of a John Wick kind of movie, Mm. in a way. A nice cast. It's a movie that I recommend if you're just going to grab it on Netflix. Obviously, you can't go to theaters now to see it. But (laughs) at the time, I was like, this is an unnecessary theatrical experience. Mm. But a cool little sci-fi film for Netflix. Hereditary. I did enjoy Hereditary quite a bit. That could have been a top 10. Yes, I did consider it. It was also on my my long list. When I see a good horror film, I want to leave the theater feeling like, wow, like I've seen something different. Uh, I've seen something I've never seen before. And I just didn't feel that way about Hereditary. Like, it was incredibly well done. The acting is fantastic. It didn't have a changing effect on me. Mm. Well, I I tend to look at horror films intellectually. Mm -hmm. They they don't work emotionally for me. (laughs) And this was a very intellectual yeah. Kind of the, the the jump scares are sort of your your eye wanders into the corner of the screen. Oh, there you <laughs> it's not about loud noises or anything. No. And it is about something. It's about yes. it's about what you pass on to your kids. So whether that's disabilities or, or allergies or mental illness or that's the fear, that's what they're trying to creep you out with. <laughs> Remarkable film, mm-hmm. but again, I don't engage emotionally with horror films very much. So it, it didn't make the cut. Ocean's eight. I loved that movie. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I, it was a fun romp. Mm. <laughs> uh, I loved the characters. Everyone was like pleasant in it. A lot know? of humor. Yeah. I was a little underwhelmed because the leads were so thin. Okay. But the all the side characters fun yeah. were very much you know, a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like heist movies regardless. Yeah, like I like a good heist. Incredibles two. It was exactly what I wanted it to be, <laughs> I guess, is, is my my critique of it. I pretty much knew what we were going into, even though, like, it's been, like, over 10 years, I think, since mm-hmm. the last one. But, like, you know, we left off from the same point. I'm like, yeah, this makes sense. This they improved is what the animation, certainly. Yes, the animation is really beautiful, actually. And they really made Elastic Girl's silly power... Useful. Very, very useful. <laughs> like, awesome. They're planning a, maybe a Plastic Man movie. <laughs> and they, they should really take yeah. cues from that. Then is Upgrade. That's the cyberpunk kind of um, Black Mirror <laughs> thriller oh, with the, the guy as a... Yes, okay. I'm like, what was that? Yes, The I guy remember. loses, uh, becomes paraplegic and they put a chip in him so that... But then maybe somebody else is controlling the chip. That's the yeah, That was yeah. the movie. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's been a while. I think the way... I mean, you, it's like you said. It's basically like a long Black Mirror episode to me. You say long, but it's about the but same yeah, length. Yeah, actually, Black Mirror episodes are long, too. 
It just kind of felt like that. I feel a bit weird when it's um like stories about disability or something like that and it's pre- like presented like it's the end of the world. Mm-hmm. That's always a bit for me because the disabled community fights a lot against that. Yes. Because like it's not the end of their world. They're still living, they're having full lives. So that always kind of irks me. But beyond that, I mean... If you like Black Mirror, this is like... (laughs) It's not one of the best Black Mirrors, but it's not one of the least Black Mirrors. It's somewhere in the middle Mm -hmm. of the Black Mirror kind (laughs) of stuff. Yeah, (laughs) Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we're in the summer now. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Always down for that, honestly. Always down for Paul Rudd. (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that guy. He's always charming. Tell us more about the rest of the cast this time, though. Yes. He's there, but... He had, like, the first movie to, like... We, we, we saw the universe. The supporting cast was quite strong in this. It's more of a Wasp movie. Yes, which... I think the plot is just like, let's go get this thing. Oh, no, let's go get this thing. Oh, yes. no, let's go get this thing. So... <laughs> I think it suffered a bit from, uh, we need to prepare for other films that are coming. Yes, that's true. Well, Endgame, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> Skyscraper. I'm the only one that saw yep. that. Mm-hmm. So that's Die Hard in a bigger building with The Rock, <laughs> who is disabled in this movie. Mm-hmm. He has a like he has an artificial leg. It's an okay movie. Fun enough. When you're really high up in the air, you kind of feel it in the theater. Kind of gives you vertigo. Otherwise, forgettable. <laughs> Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Now here's one that you saw, but I didn't. Okay, I like dinosaur movies. Yes. <laughs> I like to, free- which is why I went to see this, because no, it was not really good. It's a little bit dumb. <laughs> it's like the best way I could describe it. It's just a little bit dumb. It's not horrible. Like I did not dislike it actively. It's a little dumb. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Nick Cage as Superman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Among other things. Yeah, we had a lot of Nick Cage. Nick Cage like, is also Spider-Man this yeah. year. So. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was like watching a Saturday morning cartoon, but on a longer period of time. And engaging characters. I like that we don't need a huge backstory for everybody. We can just kind of jump into their adventure. Mm-hmm. Which is something that I think is really nice. It was silly, but it also had some like dark, violent yeah, moments. So absolutely. I wasn't always sure if it meshed properly if they juggled the tones properly but a lot of deep cuts for dc comics readers <laughs> there's a lot of stuff and in I there i think like for the audience it was really intended for which is probably like um eight to 13 i don't know i would have lost my mind you know <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, i was sitting close to a little girl there who uh really dug the uh not, not only the movie but the short the bad girl yeah. short before oh yeah that yeah. was great uh the spy who dumped me that was okay i thought Yeah, basically I felt like it could have been better, but I enjoyed the product the way it was. It was essentially like Spy. Yeah. Not as good. No, I agree. Crazy Rich Asians. That's one of those movies I'm just really happy exists. (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna be honest, like, I think it's wonderful that it exists. It's like a really great showcase for Asian actors. It was funny and weird. It was obviously pretty formulaic, as I expected, but... It was still like, um, like the, because of the location and the weird characters, it still felt unique to itself to me. So, mm-hmm. well, Michelle Yeoh can do no wrong. Mm-hmm. To me, all of these like big, lavish soap operas where everybody's super rich, I, I'm disconnected from that. <laughs> I don't care about that stuff. Yeah. But 
uh, Michelle Yeoh was, had like this richer character where they didn't just spell everything out about the, the, the mother expected daughter kind of relationship. Yeah. So I thought that was uh, quite strong. And Aquafina, second good role in, yeah. in the year. She had a good year. A Black Klansman. I considered for my long list as well. Like, I think it'll probably be at least nominated for, like, a script or something like that. Because I think the script was really strong. Obviously, like, it's really language-focused, at least for a part of it. So, But you can tell that, like, the way everything is written out is really clever. That was, like, my main takeaway from, from that one. It's just really, like, the writing. I liked it, but I did find that at some point... Spike Lee was shouting at the audience <laughs> about the point he's making. Yeah. Which I think for certain audiences, I guess that's necessary. But there's like that anger there that, that after a point. And you know what? I think that's maybe part of the point. You know, we're going to tell you about racism over and over. And you, at one point, you're going to say, I get it. That's the point. We all get point. it, but it's that's still the there. Point. <laughs> because uh, yeah. if you are black in America, you're always yeah. confronted with it. There's no escaping it. that. Yeah. It's just always there. A simple favor. That was fun, honestly. Like, I enjoyed it. Like, both characters were engaging for completely different reasons, but I was down for them both. I'm always a fan of Anna Kendrick, so <laughs> automatic, I was like, yeah! Um, a good is... comedy thriller. Yeah. Assassination Nation. I'm the only one that saw that. It's a sort of a exploitation film that knows it's an exploitation film and sort of plays with that quite a lot. I really enjoyed it. Basically, it's about somebody gets into people's phones and releases dirty pictures or other secrets around in a school so it's uh it's like a teenagers and then it turns it goes bananas and the girls are sort of equipped themselves with guns and they're just, <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> everybody must die <laughs> very very stylish i really enjoyed this Uh, the house with a clock in its walls. Once again, I feel kind of the same way as I did for, like, Teen Titans Go. Like, I just was really charmed by it. Jack Black and, uh... Kate Blanchett? Kate Blanchett. Their chemistry is fantastic. I would have watched, like, just two hours of just them bantering together, I think. But I just think, like, it was so fun and weird. And I think, like, for the age group that it's, like, obviously really meant for, I think, like, it would have been so awesome for me. I just enjoyed it. Like a Goosebumps kind of. Yeah. It was like watching, like, a fun Goosebumps, but still, like, pretty dark also, to be honest. It made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought the third act was like, oh, suddenly there's a villain and I'm less interested. Better than expected. Yeah. Maybe. First Man. First Man for me was honestly just kind of like hard <laughs> to watch. It was like heavy to watch for me. Physically hard to watch sometimes because of all the space and the turning and the stuff. Like, okay. it was a bit like, whoa, for me. Like, for a space movie, I think you need some spark. You need the excitement. You need to ignite the rocket. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it was just a bit dry. Now, it's I very guess. a very personal take on the journey as a space race fan i mean I've, i've seen a lot to me there was like a different take the mechanics of getting there that's all the stuff that i knew so the personal stuff however much of it was true was what was different about it at least interesting worth watching for sure i wanted to be wowed by it more than i was bohemian rhapsody you know what's funny i realized while i was watching it that i really didn't know that much about him <laughs> Like, it's funny. I wasn't conscious how much I hadn't even really looked at his face until I stepped the, out. The real of, Freddie Mercury. Yes, the real Freddie Mercury. I don't know how, why, but I hadn't really seen that much video footage of him until, like, after I went back and I looked. 
And I was like, yeah, like, that's really accurate. I think he did a good job. He's the best part of the film. Mm. You know what? The bandmates are great. Yeah, those <laughs> really the, band like the band are well cast. Um, the plot of it, like, sure, whatever. You know, it's kind of like a we go through time and we see him. But I think, like, the acting from him and the band are probably the shining right. star. Well, you put a Queen soundtrack on anything, yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> Highlander fans know this well. <laughs> Halloween, I didn't see that one, the new reboot. No, not a reboot. No, I guess it's, it's a sequel, it's a technically. Sequel. Uh, because it's it's technically a direct sequel from the first one. So all the other ones are dreams. Yeah, like, they even make <laughs> a joke in the movie that, okay. like, oh, no, that's not canon kind of thing. <laughs> Because some of it wouldn't make sense anymore. I found it incredibly satisfying. Like, that's the word I would use. It was, like, really cathartic to watch, like, a badass lady, <laughs> like, take down this guy. Like, it was so nice to see it. And I love her. This is one of the female-led action pieces Yeah, that really pieces works. That works. Yeah. Climax. Gaspar Noé's Climax. <laughs> I didn't see this one. No, I did. It's, uh, it's crazy, I guess. Is Basically, if you haven't seen it, it's basically uh, a dance group. A lot of the film is actually choreographed dancing. Like, a, uh, probably a good, like third of it. So we, we kind of start with them and they end up just kind of partying and then shit goes all the way intense. Like they're drugged by somebody. That's made clear pretty early on. So the imagery is like really intense and they've had like a lot of drugs. <laughs> so it's hard to watch towards the end because it's so like graphic. I think worth watching for sure. It was like Nothing I've ever seen, but not an easy watch. Like, not like a, oh, it's on Netflix and it's a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> well, I think that's how I watched his uh, Enter the Void. So. <sighs> Mamma Mia 2, Here We Go Again. I skipped out on a number of these, so I, I wasn't there for that. <laughs> I liked Mamma Mia 2. I think it's actually maybe even better than the first one, honestly. I think it is. Well, it has to be. <laughs> the first one was terrible. Yeah. I mean, you know, it is what it is, but like the back-in-time elements were really fun. Like we got a lot of really nice choreographed dance and songs from like the different parts of her life, and that was great. I liked that a lot. We have less of Fierce Brosnan singing, so... <laughs> well, for me, it's less of Meryl Streep singing. Yeah, and also less Meryl Streep. I think, like... Stop uh... casting her in singing roles, Mary Poppins <laughs> Returns. <laughs> I just think it was, like, really enjoyable. And for people who like the first one... Of course. It's better than the first one. What about A Star is Born? I also skipped out. <laughs> A Star is Born... Okay, I, I considered it on my list. Okay. But the reason it's not there is just because I wasn't really excited by it. It was good. The songs are really nice. I've listened to the soundtrack a few times since then, and um, the acting is great. It's just, it didn't excite me. <laughs> like, I feel like I've watched it. I don't need to see it again. It didn't, like, wow me as much as I thought, I guess, it would, just based on the reaction of people in general. Like, this year has been a year where people have been going to the movies that don't usually go to the movies. Like, with Crazy Rich Asians and A Star is Born, I had to wait, like, three weeks to see A Star is Born because it was sold out <laughs> every week. Um, so I guess maybe my expectations for it were a bit high. <laughs> I don't okay, know. Yeah. Overlord. That was better than I thought, actually. <laughs> 
like when we saw the trailer, I was like, oh, either this is good or it's really bad. Like there was no middle ground for me. Like I wanted it to have more humor. Yeah. I thought it was pretty serious for a dumb movie <laughs> yeah, about what it is. World War II soldiers fighting uh, Nazi zombies. It could have definitely benefited and, from and it would more benef- jokes. It would have benefited from not selling the punchline in the trailers. If it had been like From Dust Till Dawn. Where you don't know. Well, I don't think we... I, I don't remember any trailers at the time, but I went to see it in the theater. I thought, oh, this is the new Tarantino uh, Robert Rodriguez movie. I want to see this. It looks to be like a crime picture, everything's... And then it turns into a vampire movie. And so it's just... That's insane. Yeah. So this has the same insanity, the same plot turn. Yeah. But we knew about it ahead of time, so... I think that comes from, like, fear of how how to market a film mm-hmm. like that. So they just... They, they told us in case it would bring people in versus... Yeah. Because like, if you're expecting, like, just a straight war movie, you're not going to get that. Like, it's not what it is. <laughs> you're going to be unhappy. But I thought it was, like, better than I originally thought it was going to be. We're in the, the fall now, for sure. Widows was uh, the one we saw next. Widows almost made my top ten. Yes, it, it was have. like it's my shortlist. It's in my fifteen. Yeah, it was on my shirtless as well. I think I love a good heist <laughs> situation, heist movie, and another female heist movie. Mm-hmm. We got two this year, so I'm always down for that. Yeah, and this one had a more serious underpinnings. Yes. And I think what I realized, not watching it, but later, especially analyzing some of the... At some points, there's like these classic heist tropes that take over, and it's like, they might be groaners. It's like, oh, well, this cliché. But then I realized that all those heist cliches are used as metaphors for the grief. It's mm-hmm. called widows. Yeah. So it's, it's like how you process your grief is actually the mechanics of the heist movie. So it's actually more clever mm-hmm. than than at first glance. Green Book. Green Book is also actually a film I put on my long list. I enjoyed that much more than I thought it would. Like, the thing that really stuck for me, I'm not sure why, but that's the thing that, like, really stays in my mind. It's just, like, how subtle they were. Like, that blew me away. It was all in the subtlety for both of them. A quick look or, like, a slight movement, and, like, you could feel everything that they were trying to convey. So, for me, like... It works as a Christmas movie as well. Yes, it does. If it didn't climb up my list, it's because, face it, it's a movie about race relations. It seems a little obvious at this point. Yeah. But this is the world we We live in. We didn't learn anything new. I I, I certainly did. I I agree with you on that. Creed 2. I liked Creed (laughs) 2. Like, honestly, I had just seen Creed 1. Mm -hmm, We had watched it just before because I had never seen it. And I thought it was a great sequel. Like, uh, it really built on the relationships that we had established in the first one, and we moved them further, which is something I find a lot of sequels don't do correctly. They just kind of redo what we saw in the first one. Mm -hmm. But this one, like, okay, we've established, like, his love relationship. They moved on from there. Like, we built from it. And I think that's probably the best success of the film, where it's like, they took their universe and they kept going with it. Because obviously the formula is like something we've literally already seen. Mm-hmm. But the way the characters interact and the way they react to these things, that's what's new about it. It was the first boxing movie I ever saw in theaters, pretty sure. And <laughs> that's felt, crazy. <laughs> and it felt very visceral. I mean, the, like, like the first one, they really know how to shoot these boxing scenes where you're in the action, but you understand, you understand yeah. the tactics of it. If you do that badly... It just looks like people punching each other out. Mm-hmm. That was strong. Aquaman. Another that was on my long list. It's pretty recent. <laughs> yeah, it's really recent. I'm just... 
it's ha- I'm happy that it exists. You know, it's one of those situations where I'm like, I'm happy that they did it well. It w- I would have been really sad if the Aquaman movie had sucked, you know? Yeah. <laughs> that it, it's a, a big bummer. dumb action movie, but it's got a lot of deep cuts. And I think, like, spending time in both universes, like, in the ocean and on land, and seeing how they're beautiful and corrupt in both places and like seeing just like the universe of it because i think like aquaman really one of my main gripes with a lot of those movies is that like it's always world ending you know Mm -hmm. uh but here like they created a universe and it was in their universe and we focused on them and i think that's what's the best success of the film (laughs) and it ended a bit more like what Wonder Woman should have done because Wonder Woman fails in the last act yeah. with the big battle. We do have, get a big Lord of the Rings kind of battle, but it ends on a moment of compassion and forgiveness. That's like a Wonder Woman territory. Mm-hmm. That Aquaman went there, that James Wan took it there. Like he's just an engaging character. Like I would love to see this Aquaman in a bunch of different things. Very good. Holmes and Watson. I feel And this is the last movie before we uh, get into the top 10. <laughs> yeah, I know. You guys are probably like that one's not at all like the others, and you're correct. Uh, I didn't really want to see this, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was just like, a, hey, you know what? It's Christmas. Why not? I feel mostly disappointed, and I know that sounds dumb because, like, obviously, I knew I knew it wasn't going to be great going into it, but after seeing it, I was actually more disappointed <laughs> in the film because I could see where it could have been good and mm-hmm. they just didn't do those yeah. things. A lot of the characters have great shtick and personality. It's just Will Ferrell is terrible in this. Yeah. And the idea that Holmes and Watson are morons goes against a lot of the other humor they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. There's like too many styles of humor in it. Yeah. They had to choose like a way to go yeah and they didn't they just went every which way and, and it, just, it doesn't work no well we'll take a short break we've, we've been in it for like 35 40 minutes <laughs> and we're only now getting to our top tens <laughs> so we'll take a short break and come back with the best films of the year so we're we gonna be working together really worst film you ever saw well my next one will be better It's the Film and Water Podcast. The Film and Water Podcast covers movies new and old, classic and uh, not so classic. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, available weekly on fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. We're back. We're attempting our top tens. Obviously, we've got films in common in these lists. So there's probably like 16 films, I think, in all that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, so they'll find their way here. Why don't you start us off? What is your number 10? My number 10 is Christopher Robin. If anyone wants to clap, now is the time to do it. Christopher Robin, which I put in number 8. Ah, so we so were close. We're, yeah. Christopher Robin is one of those movies that I feel like was made for me. <laughs> like, I feel like they were like, uh, Natalie deserves this film, and they just made it specifically for me. Because you're the Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> fan from childhood absolutely i was a huge Winnie the pooh fan i have like a huge stuffed toy it just it means so much to me i've read the books like it's it's such a cultural thing for me and this movie is basically like it was so charming it just felt like coming home to those characters 
It felt like going, like the main character, like Christopher Robin. It was like going back home. It was made for people like you. <laughs> Rather than small children. Yeah. Although which, the small children in, in our theater. Really liked it. Really, even though it's very, it's quiet. It's mm -hmm. kind of sad. It's nostalgic. Because the Christopher Robin in the film is obviously older. He's Ewan McGregor. So he's he's older. He's lost touch with his childhood, with his imaginary friends. And they come back to get him. <laughs> Yeah. It's more or less what it is, but Pooh is so... He's got a sadness to him that mm -hmm. just you're, <laughs> he just makes your heart go out to him. Yeah. And then Eeyore is like super funny. In a way that I'm not even sure he was that funny in the but cartoons or books. he's always like that. Where it's like he's such a sad sack, but it's funny. <laughs> it's like, oh, Because in this, it was that was the highlight. Yeah, Eeyore is hilarious in this. Yeah, I, I was completely charmed by it, even though I am not a necessarily a Winnie the Pooh Which I think says a lot, actually. Fan, uh, you know, I, well, I connected with the adult mm -hmm. in this, and, you know, and uh, I mean, the, the, the CG is, yeah. is, is very well done. I was really pleased with that, because at first when I saw their design, I wasn't sure. Like, I was like, oh, I don't know how this will look. Yeah, because some of them are obviously teddy bears, mm -hmm. and some of them are CG animals, yeah. as they were in the books mm -hmm. sort of thing. They're not all toys. I think the, the weakness of it is that, and I didn't hear the, the kids kind of whine about it. Sometimes you do when this happens. It certainly happened with Peter Rabbit uh, earlier the, in the year, where the, the adult content, it's always about, oh, dad's going to lose his job if he doesn't get the big contract it's yeah. like kids don't care about this stuff <laughs> no but it's it's like a weird movie trope from a long time ago and for kid for kids movies yeah so this is it's in there for adults it's always like well i i can sort of pick it apart because i live in the real world of adults if it's not done adult enough but for the kids the more adult it is and the less the less of a caricature it is, mm -hmm. the less interested they are. Yeah. They don't love they don't care about the love stories and the people getting jobs and no. buying houses. <laughs> they don't care about that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that it goes there in the end, to me was not a problem watching the film, but I do recognize that it is a sort of cliche. Yeah, no, for sure. So that was your number ten. Yes. My number ten was Bad Times at the El Royale. Which we're way opposite because that one is my number three. Oh, well, opposite. I mean, we still put it in the top <laughs> yeah, ten. Yeah. So, Bad Times at the El Royale is uh, this. A lot of people are. Saying it's like a Tarantino, but you know, because it's like a crime yeah, picture and I, I, it's, it's not it's always chronological. But to me, it's a lot more like a Coen Brothers. Yeah. Kind it's of kind of like if those two worked together, it yeah. would have been something like right. that. So, Drew Goddard, what he did with this, I think it's, I, I don't want to say it's like other films necessarily because it is its own piece and it's in this crazy motel that is right on the border of california and nevada and half of the hotel is on one side <laughs> the other half is on the other side and i think one of the reasons i like it so much is because that would so get me <laughs> i would 100 percent go to that hotel i know it that's just so cool to me <laughs> so the, the laws are different you know there's a casino on one side and one side's dry and the other one's not and then you got all these characters who go there and there's a treasure and you know and play and other people are just following their own drama i like that it's a, like a dual world because it is about duality it's about mm -hmm. good and evil it's about the devil and and the saint sort of thing it's and everybody is playing two parts everybody yeah. is actually you know saying there's something but they're actually something else and it's all gonna 
I say Coen Brothers because it's all going to wrap up in a big fiasco <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Very entertaining, well acted. A great role for Cynthia Erivo, who is also in Widows, a good year for her, mm-hmm. uh, who is really the, the soul of yeah. the film, the conscience of the film. She brings it into focus at some point, and I think whatever the movie seems to say, she says different, and I think that's the real lesson of the film. I, I thought it was like a rich, very rich picture. Yeah, and I think that's one of the reasons I put it so high on my list, is because I know I want to watch it again so for me that's always like a good sign because i feel like there's just so much to unpack there that i would like to be able to watch it again with different eyes Mm -hmm. um because i even just like visually it was so fun to watch like i'm always a big fan of like vintage style so seeing all the costumes and the set and how everything was like created this universe like it's such a small space technically but it feels like a a universe that they've built Mm -hmm. And I just really enjoyed that. And it, it is sort of, you sort of retread the same ground over and over because you're watching, like, from a, one character's perspective, mm-hmm. from another character's yeah, perspective. Yeah, and that's something I love. Like, different timelines to construct the whole is, like, one of my favorite things. <laughs> I guess I put it on number 10. I... <laughs> no, man. Uh, I don't know why it's not higher now. <laughs> What's your number 9? Uh, my number 9 is Annihilation. It's beautiful. Did not make my list. No. Yeah, and I understand. Yeah, almost. One of those films that is mentally heavy to watch, for sure. Like, uh, I don't think I'd necessarily want to jump right back in, which I know is kind of uh, counters what I just said, but I think it, it was just, it's such an interesting universe that they created. And honestly, I'm always a big fan of, like, badass women, so we've had a good no, that's year. That's one that, that, that did work. In <laughs> it that, worked yeah. really well. Their chemistry together was really great. And I think just, like, visually, like, they really created something that I've never seen before. And I think that's pretty difficult since we've had, like, a lot of spacey or fantasy. fantasy or, yeah. or whatever. But it was completely unique to itself. I yeah. think they, like, really built, they really imagined it. It is also about something. Mm-hmm. It's about surviving trauma it's about how trauma changes you yeah really so that all the transformations that are sort of affected by aliens or an alien force in the film are actually part of that metaphor and it works better as a metaphor than as a story in the sense that the story doesn't really give you real answers. No, and I think it's that's very okay. ambiguous. Yeah, like I, I, I'm not. I don't care as much about having all the answers. So yeah. I, I just kind of liked like seeing it. <laughs> like it's something it's worth seeing. I'd say it's the same thing with Hereditary. It is a horror film in a sense. Yeah, it absolutely. Is, it had it, one of the scariest things of this year. That bear <laughs> terrified me. <laughs> Again, a bear. Yeah, bears. Bears. Paddington. Winnie the Pooh. That, <laughs> That horrifying bear. I mean, that bear was... As a horror film, again, I'm intellectually interested, but I'm not emotionally invested invested very much. Mm -hmm. So I left, you know, liking it as a sort of puzzle movie, talking about the ambiguities, but it didn't make my list for that reason. Yeah. But very close to. My number nine, I went full popcorn, and (laughs) number nine is Mission Impossible Fallout. It was on my long list. This is maybe one of the better, in the non-superhero genres, Yeah, <laughs> the best action film we got this year, I think. Yeah. It really it was... helps that it's all real stunts, mm-hmm. sort of visceral fight scenes, and, and, you know, a real daring to the sequences. Because Tom Cruise really believes in that, and yeah. it works. <laughs> like, he's right about that. 
Yeah. He, he will pitch himself in crazy stunts. Because it even really thought, works. Yeah, at first, you look at it and you're so used to effects. That you look at it and you're going, oh well, he's doing a um, halo jump. He looks like he's doing a halo jump, but he's, you know, he's probably under a big fan or something. <laughs> yeah. No. No. No, there is. <laughs> it's not Tom Cruise, I think, is that uh, intrepid. It's the guy with the camera on his, <laughs> on, with the IMAX camera on his chest. Yeah. That's filming pointing, this. <laughs> pointing it. He has to be under Tom Cruise <laughs> on his back filming this for it to work. Yeah. So that kind of stuff, it's. I like it when there's when I can feel the grit of a film. Mm-hmm. So I like miniatures more than CG matte paintings. Oh, that yeah, kind of stuff. Absolutely. Just because even if I can tell how it's made, there's a charm to that. I can see like the work that goes into it. Where CG, obviously, there's a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, you know, if you're a CG artist, oh, don't yeah. at me, bro. No. But, <laughs> but the, there but, is something yeah. magical about the real. And mm-hmm. so when you're doing real stunts rather than uh, CG stunts, you're seeing the effort. And I think that's that has its own magic. Mm-hmm. And Mission Impossible is really a franchise that's going from strength to strength yeah. rather than tanking as yeah, many... Yeah, which is crazy. Like, they actually keep getting better. This one was uh, close to as good or maybe better than Ghost Protocol. Yeah, so in that... similar anyways. Yeah, yeah. Considering, like, what number is this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, so five or six? Six, six, six It's I at think? least six. Because it, it also relates to the storyline from the third film mm-hmm. with his wife and all yeah. that. So it's got an emotional core as mm-hmm. well. And if you were to decide that they would never do another one, this is a great ending yep, to the I franchise, agree. actually. This is a good final chapter. I'm sure they'll do another of one course. anyways. But... <laughs> of course. And I'll go see it. <laughs> Number eight. We knew that I put uh, Christopher Robin. So Yes, I put Black Panther. I've never seen anything like this. Did not make my list. No. Top 15. Didn't quite get there. I think the reason I like Black Panther is kind of a similar reason why I liked Aquaman. Because, like, we really got to experience a universe. Like, they created an entire space with its own laws, with its own look. And we got to really delve into that. That's one of my favorite things. Yeah, a lot of characters, a lot of new characters, cool Mm -hmm. characters come out of that. There's also that this sort of jet set spy thriller thing going on as well. If it didn't r- quite rise up, for me, it's um, third act blues. The big battle is, is good, mm-hmm. but then you also have the... At some point, the two Panthers are obviously CG puppets. <laughs> I felt like, ugh. Not only is this the cliche final confrontation, but it's not really. this is the moment where the, yeah, the CG sort of mm-hmm. fails at this point. After all of this, the CG's gonna fail now? Yeah, because, like, clearly, like, it's a created world. Like, the, a lot of it is CG, obviously. Yeah, but... so I kind of felt it, it was formula as much as other superhero flicks that didn't make the list. But I agree with you. It's, it's, uh, it's certainly one of the more compelling mm-hmm. Marvel pictures that we've had in a long time. Yeah, I think it's, like, probably one of their best. Yeah, great cast. Great... And I'm always a sucker for... A techie character, so... <laughs> so his sister was Yes, uh, that's was like favorite. my favorite. I always... If it's a woman, it's even better, but I always like the techie character. Oh, really? The yeah. techie characters? Every time. Number seven, then. My number seven is Mary Poppin Returns. Me too. Ah! Then we have the same number seven. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Off we go. The 
this movie just like means a lot to me. I think it's kind of in the same way that like I feel like Christopher Robin was made for me. Well, I kind of feel the same about this um, because like it was such a crucial film in my childhood, and I was also very scared that it was going to be terrible. <laughs> I was really worried about that. But I think they managed the thing that I was nervous about. And it's getting the twinkle. Getting Mary Poppins twinkle. Emily Blunt totally sold it. She was great. And to me, whenever I watch Mary Poppins, the original, or in this case, this one, to me it's a Doctor Who movie. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's (laughs) like, okay, this is the original female Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. This is how it might be played. Maybe should be played. Uh, I (laughs) love the cockiness. I love her arrogance. Mm -hmm. Uh, her sense of danger. That's just danger is fun. Yeah. Kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and Emily Blunt really got yeah. that. I mean, mm-hmm. she was as good as Julie Andrews. I, you know, maybe that's heresy. No, I think they managed to both have, like, obviously a similar, because it's the same character, but their own take on it, mm-hmm. which I think is what we needed to happen. I think she said that in an interview. She didn't want to play Julie Andrews. She wanted to play Mary Poppins. What do you think about the, um, the complaint that it is beat for beat, the, the original film? I guess my question for that is, like, have you seen the other one? Because like, <laughs> have you seen the other one a hundred times? Like I have. <laughs> it's just because like for me, obviously the the events are in the same. Like uh, the events are basically the same, but with a different twist. But the nuance of it is entirely different because we're following Michael and like his experience trying to essentially not become his father. Because emotionally, it doesn't register the same place. It's not at all the same. And I think it's really, like, it really struck me, like, hearing Michael say things that his father said. Like, I think there's another level there that's totally worth it. Like, exploring how both kids would grow up. How they would become adults now. Like, how they would be reacting to... Like a really hard economic time. I think it's really yeah, interesting. So it's just when it's set in the Depression. Yeah. So the, the original one was the, the suffragette movement. It was mm-hmm. like 20 years earlier. So this one, they call it the big slump. Or, I mean, mm-hmm. it's something like that. The Brits call it something <laughs> different. But it's the Depression. So again, we have this, is dad going to lose the house? Banking. <laughs> yeah, which happens. But just think, like Christopher Robin, but I felt better handled in this. Yeah, because I think Michael didn't want to worry the kids about that. Throughout most of the film, you can tell he's trying to not put it on them. Because I think he knows that they've grown up faster than they should. They act like little adults at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Because they've had to grow up because of losing their mom, essentially. So I think he wants to protect them from that. So they don't have to deal with it. I mean, they still do. They know. Like, kids always know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I think he's trying to shelter them from it. This one has more villainy than the first one, too, doesn't it? I mean, they're more outright villains. It's, it's more direct villains, yes. More direct because, villains. Because, um, like, in the original, their father, like, obviously he, like, loses his job and stuff, but it's it doesn't seem like a plot. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I well, mean? Well, in this, it's... It's a plot. It's a banker <laughs> trying to steal your home, mm-hmm. which is... A contemporary problem. Yes. Let's say. <laughs> yeah, for but, sure. Yeah, so there's there's more villain, even the, like the cartoon. There's a cartoon character that is him as a cartoon, more or less. So there's more action in a, in a way. I mean, there's more like, okay, now the heroes have to do something. Yeah. I think that then the the more whimsical first one. All that said, uh, and the I mean, and, I mean, Lin Manuel Miranda's in it. So <laughs> oh yeah, he's my favorite person ever. I think so. <laughs> like he's just a good person, and I feel like you can tell it through his, his performance. You just you just like him. <laughs> and the only reason it didn't climb up higher, Meryl Streep sings. 
<laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm against that. <laughs> yeah, her character didn't... You know what? Like, that's, like, the only character that I was a bit sad about. Because, like, clearly she's the parallel to Uncle Albert. Mm. They go visit right. and he laughs on the ceiling. And that song I love. It's so funny to me. And it's just, you know, because they're laughing. Like, it's contagious and you just enjoy it. But her song was, like, fine, but not much. But generally, favorite. did you like the songs? Generally, yeah. I think they're good. I, I want to re-listen to them. Uh, because obviously I... It's not fair to compare... Because, I mean, the other no. one, we've grown up with <laughs> exactly. those songs. <laughs> but I do think that they will have this a similar effect on kids growing up right now. I would think so. Because I think a lot of them are really catchy and you will want to remember. And there's some double entendres in some of them. I yeah, thought it was a little more a little saucy. saucy. <laughs> this is like a sexy um, Mary Poppins <laughs> times. Mm-hmm. That is not a bug, it is a a feature. Yes. Number six. For me, I chose Game Night. Game Night, which was my number four. Oh, four. You're both correct. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I don't know why, how a comedy got so high up, but uh, I enjoyed the heck out of Game Night. I did too. It's actually one of the only movies this year that I saw twice. Really? Yeah. I think Game Night just is a success on all fronts. <laughs> Like, I think they really, like, achieved the things they were going for. Which, honestly, in a comedy, like, if we're comparing it, I mean, obviously, but if we're comparing it to the Sherlock Holmes thing, Mm -hmm. they knew what they were going for. They had a great ensemble cast that was funny. They had chemistry together. It was a bit of a mystery, a bit of, like, there was tension there. The jokes landed. And it's creative. Like, just the way, the visuals of it. Like, I love the scenes where you can tell it's basically a board map. (laughs) They get you into scenes by, you know, sort of board game geography. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And as a plot, it is really, if any, if people have seen it, it's David Fincher's The Game. It's a spoof on that. It's a Mm -hmm. comedy version of that. With people thinking, well, you know, we're going to solve this crime mystery because we're good at board games honestly the only thing that was not believable to me about this whole thing is the fact that they were playing those games the the very old, old yeah. school they like were i don't Monopoly. believe that that group of people would still be playing that they would no. at least be playing Catan. at least <laughs> At, at the very least, it'd be like, but then the, the movie would be opaque. Exactly. To, you know, it's like too niche <laughs> for people. So everybody recognizes Payday or yeah. Game of Life or whatever it was, <laughs> uh, Scrabble, you know. But yeah, no, they really should have been playing <laughs> Pandemic mm-hmm. or something, you know. If they had like these weekly game nights yeah. in the They're 21st century. They're not charades every week. <laughs> oh. I don't believe that. No. So yeah, a very funny film that hit my number four. So that was your number six. My number six is... Is a Quiet Place. So Emily uh, Blunt, yes. yeah. it's a double, Good double bill there. Too. Yeah. So it this is on uh, my long list. Like this was a horror film, horror, yeah, horror mm-hmm. sci-fi film that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Because the there's a conceit. The conceit is that if you make any noise, the creatures are just gonna get you. So mm-hmm. this family is surviving by being very, very quiet, which is also manifest. And the, they have a daughter who is deaf, played by a deaf actress, which yeah, I think is a, a big diversity win. Yeah. And then, of course, I mean, the movie's not going to be... 
Everything's fine. Yeah, yeah. we're just hanging out. Yeah, because they have a little kid. The woman's pregnant. I mean, there, there's going to be noise. Yeah. There is so going to be noise. And then the creatures are going to come and get you. So it's... Uh... I think what's particularly interesting to me about that film is like how intelligent they are um, at finding systems to make it work. Like even like in little ways, like, you know, they're playing the board game and everything is carpeted so that no one will be able to hear. It won't make a sound like they're using felt things instead of like pieces and stuff like that to me was really interesting. Like, how do you deal with a Mm -hmm. newborn child? And the film does that as well mechanically because you can't do exposition very well Mm because people don't talk much. They whisper at times. Yeah. But then this is a whole world. We're in, we're post-apocalypse. What happened? And the movie still finds a way to tell you visually. Mm-hmm. You know, just like, you can just have like a scrap of newspaper somewhere that, that sort of, and the camera doesn't linger on that. It's just, you sort of, there's nothing to listen to mm-hmm. for most of it. So your eye sort of wanders and looks around and, and then you find the clues yourself and you learn the story that they can't tell. And, and we get it anyway. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, very efficient little sci-fi thriller. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't go where you think it'll it'll go. No, and it has like a really emotional punch yeah. to it because it's very much about the anxieties of parenthood. Yeah, what could happen to your kids mm-hmm. like, and that fear. And Krasinski said that like he originally wanted to make this film like just after the birth of like their first or second child because mm-hmm. he felt like the constant scare of like I need to protect, and you can really tell like they, it's them too, especially like they are. The They're a real couple. couple. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously their chemistry is wonderful, but you can really tell that like it's about that making sure that your child is safe when you can't make sure that your child is safe. Like there's always potential danger. Yeah. So this is a, this is a horror film that did engage me emotionally. Mm-hmm. And here it is on, on my list. Not on yours. I, I It was. Okay. It was, <laughs> but it was one of those, yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like 11. <laughs> well, I think you have my 11 on your list, so uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> what is your number five now? My number five is The Favorite. Look at me! How dare you! Close your eyes! The Favorite, which I uh, put number two. Mm. And we just saw this we like two days ago. A couple days ago. It's very fresh. <laughs> I think it's Yorgos Lanthimos' probably best film. Of the three we've seen. Yeah, of the three that we've seen. The Lobster was my favorite before this, and I think this one has topped it. I just think it's, well, it's obviously just more accessible than his other films, but I think the acting in it is just so fun. <laughs> like, I love these characters. I think the casting was really spot on. Like, I think they really chose the right people for this, because... In every role, I was, like, in love with these characters. Because you have, like, the three women who are at the center of this, but... Mm-hmm. Everybody else, Everybody too. else is quite good. Even, right. like, awesome. the bit parts <laughs> yeah. are funny. But, of course, it's got to be Olivia Colman and Emma Stone and, and Rachel Weisz who have to carry the film. And they're so dry oh. and... I mean, this is about, if, if you don't know it, uh, this is the court of Queen Anne. Uh, Olivia Colman plays Queen Anne, who is perpetually sick, and it's like... That was incredibly believable to me. Olivia Colman can wow. do no wrongs. So it was insane. Let's take that like, as a given. <laughs> I, I believe that that was her. And she's very touching as well, even though mm-hmm. she's like this crazed queen in a way. But she's trapped in this love triangle, yeah. you know, favorite triangle, where her closest advisor is Rachel Weisz infantilizes her, really, and she controls the kingdom. Yeah. Because the queen is not equipped. No. But... She wasn't built for that. It's also a very toxic relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And then you have Emma Stone, who comes in, who's going to be the new favorite. I was trying to manipulate her her way up 
the latter. It's a fight between them. But then the struggle, it's like there's no end to the struggle. Because you can't... No. The I queen think, is too powerful. I think that's you know? like the best thing of this whole film. It's like it ends and you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think like, there's that, not like a woohoo! I won. I don't think victory is very is possible. No, because it's all it's the queen. It's always gonna be. She's the queen. gonna always gonna be on the top, mm-hmm. and then you can't really control her totally. And then at the end, I mean, we don't want to spoil it, but the, the the final shot really puts things in perspective. Yeah. But let's say that in a very quirky way, but it does. And quirk is actually all over this thing. Yeah. I'm not sure I buy the the dancing, <laughs> the, the dancing contemporary dancing. It's so funny to me. Like it's made to be weird. Like you can. It's clear, like yeah. they chose to do that because it would seem off. Well, there are two anachronisms, <laughs> and one of them is the very uh, the, the the coarse, vulgar talk. Mm-hmm. Sometimes very contemporary, but that that works within the film. A lot of memorable one-liners that we can't repeat on yeah. air, but <laughs> but also, but those whenever they dance, they put in some <laughs> modern dance moves. But which it's not even. I don't like it's not like they're like dabbing. They're just doing <laughs> weird moves. It's just so strange. So I'm not sure I buy that part of it necessarily. No, but I think it's to make you feel uneasy. Yeah. Well, like it's it's meant to be like Whoa, That's this what? director's whole thing is <laughs> yeah. making you uneasy. And I think it works. And it's also somehow really charming yeah. to me, like the weird dancing and oh, But it's... otherwise it's all good scenes. I, yeah. the reason I put it so high is I was analyzing it, looking at it, reviewing it, and um, can't find any real flaw with it. No, it is, like, really tight as It's a impeccable. <laughs> it's clever. Mm-hmm. It's smart. You don't know where it's going at all. Super well acted by everyone. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they all, at least the three main ladies, like, should all probably have an Oscar nomination. <laughs> I'm putting it out there. <laughs> there I, it is. I don't know how you do that. No, but it's very, kind of very, very subtle... But... There's a lot of subtle acting, you know, a lot of facial mm-hmm. stuff going on. And no, yeah, I mean, if you haven't yeah, seen The it's Favorite, wonderful. it's one of my favorites right and there. It's in the cinemas right now. It's probably. in cinemas. <laughs> yeah. My number five then is Searching. I need to know how everything unfolded. Which you didn't see. Yeah, so that's a bummer. I would have liked to see that one. John Cho can do no wrong. That's a, one of my mottos. This is an actor that I, I'll watch him in anything, mm-hmm. and he, it's always good. You know, sometimes it's it's about liking an actor. Fine. No, no. I like the choices he makes. Yeah, he makes and, good choices. <laughs> yeah, so then he's in movies that I want to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, Searching was this, could have been a total failure, because it's one of these found footage movies in a way. You're always looking at what's on a computer screen. Not always the same computer, but a computer screen. So, of course, it's animated by webcams, so you actually see the actors. But it's about a uh, father whose daughter disappears overnight, and he tries to track her down, looking at her history, and yeah. he finds out she's you know she makes videos, and he's looking through all these clues. And we and it's really built like a murder mystery, or well, a murder mystery. It's a disappearance mystery, a kidnapping mystery, mm-hmm. or is it? You know, you're parsing out the clues with him. You're also a detective because you're looking at the same screen. It puts you in that driver's seat. And it could have been very jarring and odd, but I think we're at that point where this seems so very natural. Yeah. And they're not, like, faking it like these soup... You know how it is in movies? It's like, what operating system are they using that looks like special effects, yeah. you know? It's, it does never works. It never looks like a computer you'd have at home, mm-hmm. but this it does. Yeah, he's really going through 
Like her stuff, the her stuff, stuff that we use. Real, yeah. You recognize every app on there, and uh, it's just so immersive and emotional. And there's like a just a thrillery twist to it, which is whatever. But uh, but I think the just the style of it and the the acting sells it regardless. So uh, searching hit my uh, top five, I guess. It's been a really good year for tech savvy. Tech- like, you can tell that the people who are making films now have been using this tech. Because Assassination Nation and uh, another movie that we haven't talked about that's coming up mm-hmm. and uh, and Searching and uh, A Simple Favor all have these screens within screens yeah. kind of moments. Okay. You can tell that people understand how they work and how people use them. That can be engaging in a film. Yes. Where it used to be, uh, let's hide the cell phones, let's find a reason why phones don't yeah, work. But Just, now I feel like yeah. we're more in a... Like we know this is a tool that people have with them all the time and that they use to do lots of things. So let's use it instead of pretending it doesn't exist. Right. Or let's integrate this. Like I think Chef was like one of the first films that did that for me correctly right they were tweeting and instagramming and you could you know there was play on it on screen yeah it was just kind of part of their lives like it is for most people yeah and then we started seeing a lot of people are texting and we see the whoop we see the text on screen this is actually more directly how you use it not Mm. pop-ups and you know not special effects but actually just recording what's what's on screen Mm -hmm. which i think was an interesting conceit we're in the top five now so what's your number four my number four is the other movie that does this that we alluded to earlier which is eighth grade eighth grade yes (laughs) so the topic of today's video is being yourself being yourself can be hard and it's like aren't i always being myself and yeah for sure i i okay i love bo burnham so i'm just gonna say that like I had probably a bias going into this just because I of do that. not love Bo Burnham, <laughs> and yet I also this was my number eleven. I really appreciate the choices that were made when they decided to make this film. I guess it's like the, my main takeaway: casting a girl who's actually that age. So just that I think really helps sell what it's like to be that age because she was that age mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's it looks her... that age and it's not yeah. like a uh, beautified kind no. of no it's it's just it's a girl who is struggling with fitting in and it's kind of her experience with that and the interesting thing is like her persona on her vlogs is basically the opposite of how she really feels like she has to really push herself to follow her own advice but it's so so transparent Mm because it's cringy as hell yeah and like it's absolutely how kids like that that age talk <laughs> like that's that's incredibly naturalistic like the reactions the dialogue you can tell because i'm pretty sure Bo wrote it as well mm-hmm. you can tell that he consulted people while doing it because it feels really authentic yeah it doesn't sound like oh well i'm a 30 year old man and i know how kids talk like that's not how it but is I, I like the awkwardness of it mm-hmm. the whole awkwardness it's an awkward age yeah. <laughs> but the adults are so awkward. And yes. it's, that's what I really loved about it is how... Especially her dad. That really means well. <laughs> I love that character. I so her. love that character. It's awkward because we're seeing them through the eyes of the kids. Mm-hmm. And the kids are all either too cool for school or trying to fit in and trying to be cool. Yeah. And then you have the parents, the adults, the teachers, the principal, whoever, uh, that are also in this story who just 
try to relate to the kids, and that makes it, you know... Ten times worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we're seeing it through their eyes, but it's also not stylized in any way. It's just that's how the adult is trying to talk, let's say, down to a certain level, and it just doesn't really work. Yeah, it just doesn't land for them, because we see it through their perspective, where, yeah. like, the teen is like, oh, no, 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 I want to, like, get away, parent. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to talk about these things. And that was incredibly touching. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I felt that it was like a piece of of something real. Yes. Which I think ultimately is actually Bo's strength. He's Mm. always been really good at finding the core thing that we live through but we don't talk about so the movie really yeah. captures like that slice in time that's really awkward but we do and you know we do move past it it's just a weird time <laughs> so it's kind of a glimpse into that weird time number my number four was game night what's your number three it was that was bad times. that was bad times <laughs> my number three is spider-man into the spider-verse uh, that's actually my number one. Ooh, number one wow Which, well okay my top two i flip-flopped a uh, couple times okay. but look i'm a comic book a serial I did a Christmas album and a so-so popsicle. But this isn't about me. Not anymore. So Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I thought was an extremely ballsy movie. (laughs) It mixes genres. It mixes different types of animation. Mm -hmm. It's got super deep cuts for Marvel fans or comic book fans that don't really detract if you don't know anything about it. Mm -hmm. It's funny. It's tragic. Yeah. It's bizarre. It focuses on Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man, let's say. But it's got all these other universe Spider-Men in it as well. You know, the cartoon one, the noir one. It's, you know, there's, uh, again, the cage. Yeah. So my only beef with uh, Spider-Verse was that we saw it in 2D. And the animation, which is unlike any other mm-hmm. film that you're going to see. I mean, it's achievement it's, yeah, territory. It's a triumph, actually. You know, this like... should be the animated <laughs> film of the year. Yeah. The look of it is completely different. Mm-hmm. But it's got this sort of bleeding 3D-ness yeah, to it. But... Which I also found a bit difficult. Yeah. And I think has made some people nauseous, actually. Has it? Yeah. Which is unfortunate. <laughs> because I actually had, like, a crisis of conscience of, like, are they just presenting the 3D track right now? Because a lot of 3D without the glasses looks like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not so much when it sort of, like, went blue-green which is like the old style 3D anyway. Mm-hmm. But when the things that were closer to camera or out of focus, there was like an out of focusness to it. It felt weird yeah. in 2D. Mm-hmm. So uh, apparently that's how it's supposed to be presented. Okay, fine. But it does feel like, oh, let's just, we don't have two versions. Yeah, that's the Let only people thing pay that... for 2D tickets yeah. if they want to. But it, that, you know, yeah, that's, this is the thing. that's how it feels. But yeah. uh, I, I even checked online and yeah, that this is how it's supposed to be presented. Yes. That's my only little hiccup. That's the thing that I found a, a little annoying as well. But ultimately, like... The rest of it made up, like, so much for it for me. Like, and I'm a sucker for Spider-Man. <laughs> so, uh, but... Which one? <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Um, I left the theater feeling like, oh, this is how they could be doing it. <laughs> Definitely, because it's not just revolutionary in terms of animation. It's revolutionary in terms of superhero genre yeah. films. And this is, you know, it's a lot like the Teen Titans movie. Yeah. Where... Let's let's slap a hundred characters on screen. You know, let's let's do stuff. Let's not explain everything yep. about it. People will catch up, won't, you know, will go do their own research, or it'll just be like this random fun element mm-hmm. that you you don't care you about. Trust the audience. Yeah. Seems to be a big success as well, critically and financially, so 
this is something that could spawn sequels very easily. Yeah, I'm sure it will. They've already talked about it, so I'm sure we're headed towards that. But I think, yeah, I think they really threw a curveball to, like, the formula, all the formulas, like, what we expect of animation, what we expect of a superhero film, um, what we expect of an ensemble cast. Like, I think they really, like, you know what, let's do our own thing entirely, and it really works. And uh, one of the funniest uh, end of credit sequences <laughs> I've ever seen, especially if you're a comic book fan, I guess, if you're a superhero fan. If not, I, I don't know what you'll make of it. <laughs> so that was my number three, but you're number one. So we already know and that's number one. Number two? Mine was the favorite. Oh, yes. So yours is? I love dogs. Darn it. I've got a crush on you. I love dogs, which is my number one. Mm. So in, in fact, we'll have completed the circuit yes. here. Yes. <laughs> So I Love Dogs, nice pun mm-hmm. to start with. The Wes Anderson <laughs> stop motion film about uh, an island of dogs, exiled <laughs> dogs. Yeah. People are afraid of a disease and they send all the dogs to this garbage island. And uh, of course, it's Wes Anderson. So it's very meticulous mm-hmm. and very precise. And there's like there's a human story and there's these dog stories. And the dogs are quite funny and touching and varied. So what did you think of the film? Okay, I love Wes Anderson anyways, so I I don't think I've watched a thing he's done that I haven't liked, to be honest. That's true, same. I just found it really enchanting, (laughs) I think is like the word I would use. Like, it stuck with me. Like, we saw this, I think, in February, and it's still like a movie that I think about a lot. And I think like it's especially funny to me as a dog owner. So there's yeah, a lot not, of Yeah, not things. enough cats. Not <laughs> yeah, enough uh, not positive lot. portrayal of cats. Well, <laughs> they were trying. <laughs> it's just really funny to me to see like, oh yes, my dog totally does do this. But it's so funny to hear like a really straight voice of a human. <laughs> and great, great voice cast in this. I mean, oh, it's all stars. It's awesome. It's so funny to see that. Like a dog doing something silly, but the real, real talk <laughs> also coming from that person, that dog, whatever. I just really enjoyed like the contrast. And it's like a really heartfelt story. And like if I were to lose my dog, like if someone were to take my dog, I would be so upset. Like it, I think it really, like you really feel for the, for the little boy. And he has this like grand adventure visually as well. Like yes. even though it's like obviously very drastic because they're mostly like on a garbage island. It's still visually really striking. Yes, because there are different states within the garbage island. Mm -hmm. You put different things in different places. I mean, there's also some rich metaphorical ground here because Mm -hmm. it's about internment camps and it's about genocide and it's about, you know, it's about really dark things. And this is not a kiddie kind of movie. No. It's not like CG dogs playing around like like they're trolls or minions. No. I mean... (laughs) It's real dog. <laughs> some dogs may not survive this. You yeah. know, that, that's the that's the feeling that you're supposed to get. Yeah, this is kind of serious. And that there's that stuff, that dark stuff that, that humans do to each other that are now transposed to dogs to make it sort of a sort of sci-fi, in a way, allegory. Yeah. But um, yeah, so the and movie has like, a lot of stuff going for just it. Just like the, the use of like propaganda. Mm-hmm, and, like, yes. All of that, like, it's very topical, like, it's really important that we explore these themes at the moment, in particular, so I think, like, the the timing of the film is particularly good as well, just because, like, it's good to reflect on, I guess. I think it's (laughs) very strange to me that I'm usually a self-professed 
tyrant to animation. Yeah. You, you've heard me. <laughs> yes. You've heard me say, ah, animation. You know, I like the live action. I like live action. I like accidental moments. I like acting. I like, you know, I like the grittiness of it. Mm-hmm. So animation doesn't have that for me. I know it's there, but it's too far in the background. Yeah. For me to really... It's in the process, not as much the product. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't. I can't see it. So I'm often saying, I don't care so much about animation. Uh, let's go see an animation film, sure. And, I, and these, the two uh, the two that we <laughs> mentioned, uh, whether that's Spider-Verse and Isle of Dogs, which are in the top, both our top tens and our top fives. Our top twos. The top, well, <laughs> mine was three here, so Oh, yeah, threes, sorry. <laughs> that's a lot of uh, animation, you know, way yeah, on top. Yeah, uh, for me, I think maybe the lesson is that I should stop saying that. <laughs> yeah, it's just maybe not all animated films, but like certain ones just reach on a deeper human level, maybe. It kind of yeah. reaches you. And in the case of I Love Dogs, where we have here a stop motion picture, so that's very, it is kind of homemade. Yeah, it is kind of like real. Yeah. I mean, it's Wes Anderson, so some of these vistas we kind of see in his live action films as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, Grand Budapest Hotel also had. Certain environments, they kind of look like, like here, except mm-hmm. they were animated, you know, real people were in them. But, yeah. but it's very much his diorama kind of yes. style. The big scopes, the yeah. like scenic shots. The... I don't know how people reacted to this film, actually. I, I really have no idea. That's true. Um, to me, it's one of those movies that will stay relevant and like stay in my head forever. Well, that's uh, that's the year in review. Uh, so now Oscar season is starting. So uh, we'll see a lot of more movies coming out. Um, you know, this year uh, we've got a lot of big movies coming out in 2019. Mm-hmm. Check this out, Nat. Uh, <laughs> Avengers: Endgame, Star Wars: Episode Nine, Captain Marvel, Shazam, Spider Man: Far From Home, The Lion King, Aladdin, and Dumbo. It Chapter Two. Yeah. Uh, there's a new Pet Cemetery as well. Mm-hmm. John Wick Chapter Three. Glass, The Lego Movie number two, uh, Godzilla King of Monsters, Hellboy, Detective Pikachu, if that's your thing, <laughs> Men in Black International, Us, the, the new Jordan Peele movie, which looks great, yeah. uh, Happy Death Day to You, we love the first Happy yeah. Death Day, <laughs> uh, Death on the Nile, I guess maybe could could, mm-hmm. could come out in the fall, Kingsman 3, there's a new Jumanji film, Rocket Man, Toy Story 4. It's basically, it's <laughs> funny, it, half of the year is just movies that came out when I was a child. <laughs> But <laughs> today's version, there's yeah. a new Tarantino flick, there's a Fast and Furious spin off. Anyway, oh, yeah, Hobbs and um, The yes. Rock and Jason Statham are mm-hmm. going out on their own <laughs> uh, in a similar style, I imagine. It's going to be a crazy year. <laughs> so, what did you people at home think of this year in movies? Now, we don't expect you to have gone to the theater as often. Maybe you have. Maybe yeah, you have. Maybe you've right? been more. <laughs> yeah. What were your favorites and what did you think? So let us know in the comments at fireandwaterpodcast.com. That's where we hang our hat. Or perhaps at the Fire and Water Facebook page or even on Twitter. We're at FW Podcasts. So thank you, Nat. People can hear you again in about a week. You're one of the panelists of Ohadmu or not. And I do some several other shows here, uh, as listeners may already know. <laughs> so that's it for us. And we'll see you in the movies. Yeah. Uh,